Hey, today I want to preach on a subject that can change your life personally. I want to preach on a subject that's very critical and crucial, actually. It has power. What I'm going to talk about today has great power, depending on how you deal with it. It's so powerful it can prevent the evil one from influencing your life, or it can give him permission and leave you vulnerable to his schemes and oppression. It can lead you to become depressed. It can lead you to take your own life, and people do. Or it can allow the Holy Spirit to flood your soul with His presence and set you free and give you great joy. The more I consider people and how they manage the ups and downs in life, and even my own life and how I deal with issues and things, I can plainly see how this impacts our lives even through seasons of life, but even daily, hourly, moment by moment, and sometimes minute by minute. And so it's this subject today, it's our thinking. It's our thinking. So the title of the sermon is Rethink. Rethink. We have to learn to rethink our thinking. Paul speaks a word about it in Philippians chapter 4. We're going to get there here in a little bit, but you'll be turning there. Because we're going to read it. And, and as I began seeking the Lord early in the week, I was staying home helping out with Crystal and stuff and just began to think and, and pray, Lord, what am I going to preach on come Sunday? I know I'm going to be home a lot this week helping out, but I'm going to have to... Somebody's preaching Sunday and it's me. I'm on the docket, okay? What am I going to preach this Sunday? And it was like immediately, and this doesn't always happen, but immediately the Lord gave me this verse. I didn't have the reference in my mind, but I was quoting the verse. So I went and I looked up the verse. It's Philippians 4.8. You know, I'm, I'm pretty so, slow to go around saying, the Lord told me, the Lord told me, the Lord told me. I'm more prone to know when the, God is impressing something on me. But when he gives me a direct word, I have to say the Lord told me. And as I was praying, Lord, what would you have me preach? And he gives me this passage. It, it's as if verbatim. The Lord said this, excuse me, <coughs> the people must change their thinking. The people must change their thinking. They must change how they think and they must change what they think because it's affecting them spiritually as individuals. It's affecting them relationally one to another as a church body. It's preventing them from being effective at reaching more people. It's taking a toll on some people emotionally, even mentally, and they don't realize it. So you have to preach on it. Here's what we have to do. We have to rethink our thinking. In order to change something that has the power to overcome our lives, in order, in order to overcome that, we have to change our thinking by getting into the Word of God. So let's turn to the Word of God. Philippians 4, 8 in the NIV says, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Another translation says, think on these things. And here's what happens so often. We come to church just like we've come here this morning. We sing songs of worship. We get to greet some people we haven't seen all week, and we like that. And 
see maybe some friends we haven't seen in a while who've been out of town, they're back, and we, we get to see them. We study the Word together, and we're built up in the Lord because you just cannot be not built up in the Lord when you come and do that. You're built up, you're strengthened, you're encouraged in your, in your spirit and in your mind, in your heart. And sometimes within an hour or two after leaving, our thinking begins to change all of a sudden. Our feelings, our thoughts, everything changes. We start to get down about things at home perhaps. Maybe we get down about our circumstance, problems, concerns, things we're worried about. And we begin to worry about our lives and wonder, how are we going to make this better? Is everything going to get better if it's not good already? How are we going to make that thing better about us in our lives? Maybe the day can be going fine, then right out of the blue, our thoughts wander back to a time when something bad happened to us. Our thoughts wander back to a time when someone mistreated us, someone abandoned us. Maybe our parents weren't there when we needed them to be there. Maybe we lost a parent. Maybe we didn't grow up with parents at all. They left the scene long before you ever knew them. People, just so much stuff in their background, we cannot imagine sometimes and, and we cannot presume sometimes what people have gone through in their life. So your mind begins to wander back. Maybe some of those kinds of things happen to you. Maybe you start dwelling on your personal failures in life and you start having these bad thoughts about all that. You start feeling lowly about it. We arrive to church and within minutes our hearts are lifted up. Then right in the middle of a sermon, we look across the room or look across the aisle and we see somebody sitting over there and the thought enters our mind. She walked right past me in the hallway and didn't say hello. She said hello to that lady. We look over there, guys, and we see another man there that's older, and we say, he coached me in Little League. And I missed a pop fly, and he came down on me so hard and blamed me for losing that game, made me never want to play that game again. That's all you can think about the rest of the service. You're dwelling on it. You start having a bad thought, it enters your mind. I remember something evil that person did to me one time. I remember a post they put on Facebook, and I know it was intended for me. I remember that. They can't tell me any different. I know, and they know. They didn't put my name with it, but I know. So we go from thinking good to bad, and then by the time we leave here, we feel so guilty for having these kinds of thoughts in our mind we begin to, to wonder and ask ourselves, how can I be a Christian with these kinds of thoughts? How can I be a Christian? How is it that we can be driving to church and have no peace, but within 10 minutes after arriving, we are so at peace and encouraged and full of the Holy Spirit? Then on Monday, no peace again. Life's a drudgery. We're feeling horrible about things and about life. The peace is gone. How is it that that happens? And how is it that it can happen so abruptly? Well, here's the answer. It has to do with the mind. It has to do with our thinking. It has to do with our thoughts. And it has much to do with the evil one. Our mind is always thinking about something. If I ask you for the next five seconds, don't anybody think about a thing. Don't think anything. Just think it. Just nothing. A blank mind. Nothing. Okay? Ready? Go. One. You couldn't do it, could you? I didn't think about anything, preacher. Yes, you did. You thought about how not to say, not to think about something so that you could say you didn't think about anything. You even thought about how to do that. So you can't do it. You can't think about nothing. 
contrary to what wives believe out there. Us men can't think about nothing. We're thinking about something. Women, we're thinking about something. You're thinking about something. The mind is like a shark, someone said. Sharks never stop. Continually moving. The mind is continually thinking. And what we allow ourselves to think has the power to determine our behavior. So Paul says in verse 8, whatever's true, whatever's noble, whatever is right, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's admirable, if it's excellent or praiseworthy, think on that. Think on those kinds of things. Whatever's true means not false, not a lie. You know what we do in our day and age? Everybody's redefining everything. We say, yeah, that's true, when what we mean is it's mostly true. If it's mostly true, but not completely true, what is it? It's false. And if you don't believe me that that's right, when you work for $100 and your boss pays you 85 and said, well, that's really, that's mostly okay. You said, no, it's not mostly okay. You owe me $15. It's not true. Okay? You said 100 I work for 100 I need 100 See, it, we want things to be true. We know what true means, but we make excuses sometimes, don't we? The thought about lying to your parents, young people, about something, perhaps not a, not a total lie, as you may see it, but a little misleading. Or we're telling someone something, they ask us a plain question, and everything we say, everything we disclose to them is true. But we left out part of it, and that part of it we know would have made a difference. That's why we left it out. Guess what? It's not true. He said, whatever's true, think on that. So the opposite, whatever's not true, don't be thinking on that. Don't be thinking about doing that. Don't entertain that thought in your mind and even go with that. Don't do that. He said, whatever's true, uh, uh, altogether true. Whatever's noble instead of ignoble, unworthy or low level. Noble speaks of high personal qualities. Noble speaks of high moral principles and ideals. That's what the dictionary will say if you look up noble. Whatever's noble, think about that. Whatever's not high level, but low level, don't think on those things. Whatever's right, that word means just. Some translations say whatever's just. Whatever's just. Behaving according to what is morally right and fair in God's view. In God's eyes, with a biblical view, whatever is morally right and fair, pure. Don't let your heart, your mind, be filled with impure thoughts. Media is a powerful tool, isn't it? If it wasn't, they wouldn't have commercials, because commercials would have no effect on us. Media is very powerful, and media has become so instantaneous. And media has become, we're, we're able to uh, have our minds, things uh, come through our minds, so quickly these days. Remember when commercials used to be a minute long? What are they, like five, six minutes now? Because the people are paying the money. They want their product out there. They know advertisement works. Media works. What you read, what you look at, what you listen to, it works. Facebook ads that pop up. Now they have these uh, algorithms and all kinds of stuff. And, you know, I was looking for a gun holster one day. And... um, and so I'm on there, and guess what starts popping up every few seconds as I'm going through Facebook feeds? Gun holster companies. I was looking for a leather bag one day. And guess what's popping up? Leather briefcase things popping up. One, right, one company right after that for days. 
They know and they can tell what you're onto. And so media has a powerful effect. They know this. People are paying lots of money to affect your mind and to get you to thinking. Don't let your mind be filled with impure thoughts. It can be a powerful tool, the media can, but it can also be a dangerous tool because what you see in here can trigger impure thoughts and it can totally change the course of your life because of how you begin to think. These things are constantly standing there knocking at our heart's door, knocking on the door of our minds, and we must continually resist the thoughts that are not excellent and praiseworthy, he says. Lest we invite it in and we dwell on it and it leads us to sin or takes control of our life. That's why I said at the beginning of this, this is such an important subject. Because it's a powerful thing. The mind is powerful. What we think is so powerful. Whatever is lovely, he said. Now that's the opposite of ugly. Lovely. Something that's ugly. I'm not talking about someone's looks. Someone says something, we said, boy, that was lovely, wasn't it? Someone says something, say, that sure was ugly. You can think some lovely things about someone, or you can have some ugly thoughts towards somebody. Like envy is an ugly thought. The Bible says, get rid of all jealousy and envy and strife. Whatever is admirable, of high quality, worth, uh, worthy of beholding. That's what admirable is. He says, excellent and praiseworthy. These are things that are of great value. What does he tell us? Think on these things. Think on these things. Now, here's the question, why? And here's why. Because the thoughts which enter our minds have power for good or evil. So we have to be proactive. To begin the day praying, Lord, I just want to live for you today. Lord, watch over me, protect me, help me do something good for you today. Then we walk out of the door, we get in our car, and we turn on the radio where every song is about drinking and hooking up. Long necks and a nice chest full of silver bullets. Every song. Every song. You don't believe me, you start paying attention. Every song. Every song. Why do people struggle so much with drinking? Every song. Every song. Every song. Lord, I, I want to live for you today. Watch over me. Protect me. Then a song comes on. It makes you start thinking about a girl you used to go out with back in high school and you danced with years ago at the dance and how close she got to you and how it gave you those goosebumps all over just before you were married. You start thinking about her because that song was y'all's song. You say, well, there's nothing wrong with that. It's just a song. The song doesn't hurt anything, but at lunchtime, you pull over and you get out your smartphone and you get on Facebook. What do you do? I wonder where she is these days. I wonder what, see if I can find her name. You search through your, your phone, your Facebook, and you start looking. Just curious where they're at now. Just curious where they're at. Oh, they're divorced. Hmm. See, the mind, the thoughts that enter the mind can be evil and can lead to evil. They can attribute more divorce in the last 10 years to Facebook than anything else. We need to rethink our thinking about how and what we think. Whatever is just, whatever is right, true, excellent, praiseworthy, Paul says. Proverbs 23, verse 7 says, As a man thinks in his heart, he is. 
as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. As a man's thinking in his heart, he will become what he's thinking. Why are so many angry people out there in the world today? I'll tell you why. They're thinking angry thoughts. You thought I was a psychologist or psychiatrist or something. You thought I was going to get real deep. Why are people bitter? Why do they walk around with bitterness toward people? Bitterness toward parents who died 30 years ago. Let me tell you why. Why are they still bitter at an ex 40 years ago? I'll tell you why. They're thinking bitter thoughts constantly. You're not very compassionate today, Brother Crispin. You've already nailed me on a couple of things right there. and You don't understand. You've not been there. Your wife didn't leave you. You haven't been through a divorce. You haven't lost a child. God's been good to you. I bet nothing ever happened to you that was bad. People are angry because they think angry thoughts. Do you think you can have good, praiseworthy thoughts right now and at the same time, simultaneously, think evil of someone? You can't do it. You can't do it. Whatever we're thinking is what we become at that moment. Angry people are angry because they allow themselves to have angry thoughts. Negative people are negative because they choose to think on the bad all the time. They choose to see the problem. That becomes problematic. If you're a mechanic, what are you looking for? What's wrong? I'm always looking for what's wrong. If you're a teacher, what's wrong? Who's not getting it right? I've got a correction. Correction. Pastors. Preach on what's wrong sometimes. We don't get to what's right. If we're not careful, we'll have a critical spirit about everything. We just think and critique and criticize and and have negative thoughts about everything. Life becomes negative. We're always down. We're going nowhere because we entertain negative thoughts and we go with it. Sexually promiscuous people think about being sexually promiscuous. It doesn't just happen. They're looking for it. They're thinking about it. So they're looking for it. What you think about, you will become. Okay? That's the way it happens. Whatever you dwell on in your mind, you eventually become and you eventually do. Here's how it affects the congregation. Here's how it affects us here together. If you think about this. Someone comes into the church and you go, I went to high school with them. What are they doing here? Low scum of the earth. Reputation. Hello, reputation. Put the scarlet A on there, you know. I know. You're not kidding anybody. You have that thought, or maybe they were just evil towards you, you know. And, and you have that thought, but you catch yourself. Man, that's not a good thought to have. And so what you do then is you say, Lord, you showed me grace. I don't know where they've been in their life the last 10, 15 years. But if it's anything like it used to be, they need grace. They need salvation. They need mercy. They need love. They need your love. Let me, let me show it to them. Let me show them. I'm going to go say something, Lord, so help me out with this. This is where we get real uncomfortable. And you just walk over and you say, hey, I knew you back in the day. I remember you and... Maybe we weren't real good friends at the time, but man, I, God has changed my life by being here. And I, I hope the same will happen for you. I'm glad you're here. I hope you have a great experience. This place has changed my life. Can we really not say that? Can we really not change our thoughts 
or at least change the thoughts, even if we don't get to the point of saying it, and say, I hope, Lord, you change their life. I hope they have an experience with you that, like that song says, where your shame, their shame is just undone because they're in your presence. You take all that away, and they're not... Make them weep, Lord. Whatever it takes, I hope that happens for them. I want the best for them. You took the thought that Satan wanted to run with or wanted you to run with and you made it praiseworthy and just and noble and pure and right. You did that. God says, I want want you to change the way you're thinking about people. Make sure your thoughts toward them are lovely because I want to work in your life and I want to work in their life. You know what Jesus said? I only go around doing what the Father is doing. What I see Him doing, I'm doing. And the Father is always working. And I, too, am always working. Don't think God's not at work. God's at work. If God's not doing anything, it's because He can't work in this atmosphere. A lot of that has to do with us. God wants to work in our lives. We have to change our way of thinking about others and about ourselves. So what do we do? I'm going to give you three things now. Here's your three points. Three things we need to do. First of all, we will renew our minds continually. See, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not preaching. Don't hear this message and say, I had a bad thought today. Preacher thinks I'm evil. I had a bad thought yesterday. Preacher thinks I'm evil. No, preacher's not saying. I'm saying Satan has much to do with the thoughts that come into our minds. The Bible says he blinds the minds of people, blinds the eyes of people from seeing who Jesus is, Satan can do a work. We know Satan oppresses people. We know people who are troubled more by the enemy are those who are in sin. We know that that happens. The Bible uh, talks to us about that. We will renew our minds continually. That is, every time we have a thought, we we have to change it. We have to be renewed in our mind. We have to think truth. Romans 12, 12, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world. In other words, don't be squeezed in its mold. Why does it have to say that? Because the world's trying to squeeze you into the the mold of the culture. So you fit in with the culture. He says, don't be conformed or squeezed into the mold or pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. He has to change us. How is he going to change us? Through the mind. Why? Because the mind is powerful. How we go through our mind determines how we're going to behave. So we're going to renew our minds continually. How do you do that? You get in the Word daily. You get into a Bible study group. You know, if some of you who still aren't going to Sunday school, you should ask yourself why. (laughs) Ask yourself why. Because you should be there. You should be there every time. If not for yourself, for others. If not for yourself, so you can find out where to minister and how to minister. There's really, in today's world, I mean, if you can make it here at 11, very few of you can't make it here at 945. You should be here. Why? Because you have a mind. And the evil one wants to destroy and kill and steal your joy. You have a mind that has to be renewed. Okay? Your family needs you to, to lead them here. If you have a family, your family needs you to lead them here, men. You man of God. We need to renew our minds continually. Number two, here's what we're going to do. Because we know that our thoughts can be evil and can direct our lives, we will hold every thought captive that isn't excellent and praiseworthy. Hold every thought captive that's not praiseworthy, that's not noble, that's not pure. Hold it captive. You say, well, how do I do that? 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5 says, We demolish arguments and every pretension, that's every claim, 
that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. In other words, if it's an an antithesis to what God's about, what Jesus is, who Jesus is, what He's about, the truth of who He is, we're going to grab that and we're we're going to say no. It's not true. We're not just going to be passive about it. If we feel a temptation to come and do something and Satan's telling us it's going to be all right, or we're, going to, we're getting close to the edge, but we're not stepping one foot over the edge, so we're going to be okay. No, no. It's a sin to get to the edge and think you'll not go over. If you have conscious awareness that getting over to that edge and fooling around with that sin, you're the problem. Your thinking is wrong. You have to rethink. You hold it captive. And you say, no, this is against what Christ wants for my life. I'm not doing that. Christ, what do you want? You want holiness. You want godliness. You don't want me to get burned. You don't want me to play with fire and get burned. You know that about the Lord Jesus. He's for you, not against you. Anything that's true or anything that's not true, you're going to correct. Anything that you're thinking that's not right or lovely or admirable, you're going to hold it captive and you're going to correct that. Anything that's not praiseworthy, you're going to say, I'm I'm tossing that out. That's not about Jesus. I'm not going with that. In the name of Jesus, I hold it captive and I bring it into obedience to what Christ says and who He is. That's what you do. You hold every thought captive that's not excellent, praiseworthy. Number three, we will think good thoughts toward others lest we give Satan, the devil, a foothold, an opportunity, or a place to work in our lives. Ephesians 4.27 says that whenever we allow ungodly attitudes to fester, we do give the devil a place. Another translation says we do give him an opportunity. Another one says we give him a foothold. We give him a foothold. Matthew 12.43-45 When an impure spirit comes out of a person, it goes through arid or dry places seeking rest and does not find it. Then it says, I'll return to the house I left. When it arrives to the house it left, it finds the house unoccupied, swept clean and put in order. Then it goes and takes with it seven other spirits more wicked than itself and they go in and they live there. And the final condition of that person is worse than the first. That is how it will be with this wicked generation. So he uses that to say that's the way this wicked generation is going to be. They think they got it together. They think things are cleaned up and all that because something gets better. But they've not occupied the home, their mind, their heart, They've not occupied it with the Holy Spirit. So if someone's lost and they have a demonic spirit dwelling within them and that spirit leaves, guess what it's going to do? It's going to come back. But it can only, when it comes back, be worse off than before. I believe with all my heart that where the Holy Spirit dwells, Satan cannot. Satan cannot have them. But we read everything in Scripture that tells us the enemy has at work to oppress, to tempt, to discourage, to kill, to steal, and destroy. Evil thoughts can allow the enemy to have a work in our lives, in our situation. Temptations are of the devil. The Bible says don't blame God for temptation. He doesn't tempt anybody with evil. The enemy does. 
And he says it begins in the mind, begins with a thought, then it gives birth to sin. And then we're pulled away. We're pulled away. See, there's a pattern. Where does it start? Right here. Right here. This is so important. You say, well, my lunch is important. Well, it's not important as this. I'm just sorry today. This is important. You have a choice to make. Will you think good thoughts toward others, lest you give Satan a place to work in your life? Ephesians 4.29 Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs. In other words, what do they need you to say? Somebody spoke truth into your life one time and it made you a better baseball player. They spoke good about what you could become instead of tearing you apart because we lost the game. Someone spoke truth into your life. Someone encouraged you one time. They lifted you up in the Lord and it benefited you. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. Instead, change it. Make it something good. Make it something beneficial. Something that builds the body of Christ. Okay? So what, here's what happens sometimes. We go to somebody else. We let the unwholesome talk come out of our mouths. And it's not building up anybody. Instead, it is tearing down people. And then you're all bummed out and you're discouraged. And you're wondering, why is all this stuff happening to me? Your thought. You didn't hold it captive. And then you spoke it. The Bible says it's good to conceal a matter sometimes. Okay. Don't let unwholesome talk come out. You're giving place to the devil. So here's the invitation. Seldom do we pray, Lord, help me consecrate my mind. Help me to make it and keep it holy for you. We pray, Lord, be with me. Watch over me. Lord, bless us. It may be the day, if the Lord just put this on my heart so much, it may be the day where we just pray individually and say, Lord, consecrate my mind. Set it apart for you. If I'm thinking an unholy thought, quicken my mind with that. Quicken my heart about it. Let me take it, hold it captive, and replace it with a matter of truth and holiness, something about you, something you've done in my life, something I've seen you do in someone else's life. Let me desire that. Let me hold to that. Seldom do we pray, Lord, I give you my mind and my thoughts. Warn me when a thought's going to lead me astray. Give me an awareness of how I am thinking so that I may rethink my thinking. Consecrate my mind today. Make it holy Renew me in the word. I want to hold unpraiseworthy thoughts captive. And I don't want to say anything or do anything that gives Satan a foothold in my life. That's why in Ephesians chapter 4 he says, Don't let the sun go down on your anger. Why? Because you're allowing it to remain. You're allowing an ignoble, impure, unpraiseworthy, not excellent thought but unpraiseworthy, unjust thought, and you're going to bed with it on your mind. He says, don't do it. So what are we going to do? We're going to ask the Lord to consecrate our minds, and we're going to take steps that help us to do that by renewing our mind, holding thoughts captive, and we're going to make sure that we don't talk toward others, Let thoughts become actions 
and we start saying things from our mouth that give Satan a foothold. We're going to change it. We're going to change it. Something praiseworthy. That's what we're going to speak. 